0: Welcome to the fourth episode of the Box Jumper Podcast. This time I'm joined by Mark Belfleur of CrossFit YQM. Not only is Mark an experienced CrossFit coach, but he is also a partner in his own affiliate, CrossFit YQM in Moncton, New Brunswick, and he is the organizer of the D Town Throwdown, a very successful and wildly fun team competition hosted at YQM, entering its sixth year with the event coming up in August. Being an event organizer myself, albeit not a CrossFit event yet, uh, I was keenly interested in speaking with Mark about what it's like to put on an event, um, what some of the challenges are, and to learn a little bit about how he has crafted D-Town into a success. As always, I'm your host, John Saintemond. I myself am a CrossFit Level 1 trainer and Catalyst Athletics uh, L1 certified weightlifting coach, master's athlete, a husband, a dad, and a small business owner in Bedford, Nova Scotia, Canada. With this podcast, I'm talking to people from all corners of the CrossFit and extended fitness community about getting healthy, happy, fit, and staying active and independent, and all the other great benefits of making fitness part of your life. It's time to use your brain to pick up something heavy, put it down, and repeat. You know the drill. We'll start in 10, as I chat with Mark Belfleur about channeling his inner Dave Castro to come up with interesting ways to challenge and excite the CrossFit community with a bit of friendly competition. Thanks, Mark, for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know you've got uh, a lot on your plate, especially as your uh, upcoming competition um, starts uh, getting closer and closer. Um, before we even start talking about D-Town and, and uh, what got you to the, the point that you're at with that event now, um, I thought I'd back up a little bit and just find out a little bit more about uh, who you are and and you know what your background in sport is before you became involved even in CrossFit.
1: Uh, Background in sport, I guess. uh, When and all throughout high school or school, I played hockey, uh, played softball, played baseball, played any pretty much any sport I could put my I I could uh, I could do when I was in school. So uh, once I got to university, uh, played a little bit of hockey, played uh, a half or close to a year of senior hockey back home, and then I. And then I put away the skates and I haven't played hockey since uh, and uh, for about seven years before starting CrossFit I did just about nothing <laughs>
0: <laughs> like so many of us once we get into our professional lives and and you know family and and work wind up taking up so much of our time so how did you become involved in CrossFit uh,
1: one my uh, my friend and a colleague uh, invited me they said yeah we're gonna try this uh, cr- there's a crossfit gym there in dieppe and we're gonna give it a try uh, you want to join us and uh i decided to do it because i hadn't been doing anything for a long time and mm-hmm. went in it uh, not knowing anything about it
0: so yeah that's so you hadn't really heard anything about crossfit prior to giving it a try with your friends
1: no that was in uh, 2009 so no i hadn't heard anything
0: back then pretty much the early days, uh, or at least certainly by the time it got to Canada anyway, that still would have been very early on in the whole, uh, the whole progression of the sport. Yeah, it was. So what was your first impression when you first walked into a CrossFit gym? And what was the environment like back then?
1: Uh, back then, it was pretty intimidating when you stepped into a gym and you hadn't done anything for a long time. Uh, people were flying on rings, doing pull-ups, uh, lifting weights. It wasn't as organized as you would see nowadays in gyms you like it was pretty much a free-for-all when you when you got there (laughs) you uh you met with the the gym owner or whoever the coach was and said yeah i'd like to try it out and we tried it out Uh, it was a three-round workout i did one round almost died took a break for a round and then decided to do the last round so uh ended up doing two out of three rounds and uh the next day i showed up again and the the rest is history i never stopped going
0: nice so uh back then your very first wad um what was what was the structure like compared to what we would consider to be today's modern wads
1: uh back then it would have been uh, just pretty much a metcon so uh it was just a workout that was on the board there's there was a warm up that was listed then you did it on your own but it wasn't uh, class structure where the, the coach leads the whole the whole class so okay. it was pretty much uh some people started every 10-15 minutes So you you had friends yeah you want to start yeah let's go that's about it
0: oh okay little sort of the open gym structure that i guess we, pretty we, much a lot of yeah. places have now yeah you know, workout on the board start on your own finish on your own that's right wow so how did you how did you manage to summon the strength to stick with it then
1: Um, probably because I was, I was, uh, out of shape and I knew I needed it. And the, uh, competition aspect, uh, the, uh, community aspect of the, of, uh, going to a CrossFit gym pretty much hooked me in. And, uh, that's, that's how I stuck around.
0: And it was, and it was pretty vibrant even back then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And CrossFit, uh, when I started, it was a CrossFit D.F. And, uh a whole, whole bunch of, uh, good athletes, uh, there. So, uh, you, you just, uh, made, started making friends slowly and you, you'd show up at the same time these people were there and you'd work out right.
0: at the same time. Yeah. Did it, did it, did it immediately affect your life outside of the gym as well?
1: Oh, uh, well, like, uh, I, yeah, it affected it as in a positive way. So I, uh, Started getting, getting more confidence. Uh, started uh, uh, wanting to do more outside fitness stuff. So started biking more. Started uh, doing activities outside outside the gym that I had stopped doing. So that that's
0: that the way it affected me. So what was did, what was your progression to becoming a coach in CrossFit? Uh, after a
1: year of doing it, I. Uh, I I went I went all in, so I'd watch every journal video, every journal article. I'd read, uh, like I watched all the old videos. Well, old videos back then. there was not a ton of old videos, mm, right. but uh, that pretty much hooked me in, and I wanted to be a coach. So about a year later, in two thousand and ten, I went to do my level one in Boston because back then there was not. Not right. the level ones available yeah. in Canada, pretty much. It was Boston or anywhere uh, outside in the U.S. So I took uh, took the car and went down there and uh, attended my level one. And when I got there, uh, it was pretty much the all-star team of uh, level one coaches that, that I got. Uh, I got there on Saturday morning. There was Chris Spieler, Ben Bergeron, Heather Bergeron, Adrian Bosman, oh, wow. uh, 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 what's his name? James Hobart, Austin Maliolo, and there was somebody else, but that, yeah, that was the all-star team for me when I showed up as like heaven for me. Yeah.
0: All, all names that are so readily associated with the CrossFit, uh, community yeah. for so long now, especially for those of us that have only been around for a few years comparatively. Yeah. Um, you know, you look, you look back at those early days and those are the names that immediately come, come up, mm-hmm. uh, that's a that's a pretty impressive community to to get started with. So, th- did you wind up starting coaching right after you got your L one? Did you go back to CrossFit Dieppe as a coach? Yeah,
1: when I got back, I uh, immediately got onto the roster. Let's say, and I started coaching. Uh, I think it was one night a week. I would I would coach. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. it takes a while. How did you find? Well, yeah, I was gonna say like jumping right into it. You, it takes you a good year well back then it was a little different than now but it takes you a good year to two years to get comfortable in front of a class and being uh, having the confidence to to see flaws identify flaws and teach people how to move for
0: sure. up, uh, better yeah yeah for sure so how did how did you wind up migrating from... well let me let me even before i get to that so did you after you did your all one um, you know, at what point did you start thinking, Hey, you know, I might, I might actually like to be an owner of a gym. Was that before you got your L2 and some of your subsequent training or, or was it right away where you start starting to think about the idea of owning your own affiliate? Uh,
1: I got my L2 would have been four years ago. So that two, yeah, four years ago. So I was at the new gym back then. So right, yeah, I, I just went there thinking just to progress and, uh, is the next step you have to take when you, you want to be a better coach. And uh, when in it, not knowing, again, not knowing anything. And when you get there, you get pretty much humbled. I'm not sure if you've done your L2, but. Uh, the,
0: not yet. I'm the, considering it's, it.
1: It's one of the best courses out there. And it uh, humbles you, but you learn a lot by uh, going there. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. When when did you start the 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 idea of starting uh, your own gym? I mean, I know you have a, a partner Matt yeah. Bork um, in YQM. When did all that come about, and and what was what was the progression into having your own gym? So
1: the winter of uh, I'm not sure when it was five years ago. That was. So winter of 2013, we organized the uh, first – 2013 or 2012, we organized – I organized the uh, Blizzard Beatdown. So I did that for CrossFit Dieppe. And uh, after that competition, maybe a month month or two after that, uh, Matt approached me. He's the one that uh, approached me to – he wanted to open his own box. And he asked me if I wanted to be a partner, and I – didn't take me long to, uh, to accept. Uh, he just wanted me to help him out. Uh, cause I had a lot of interest in programming, uh, doing, uh, these competitions. So he, he saw the value of having me, having me along with him in, in his, his gym.
0: Right. Was, was the competition environment, something that you always saw as running in parallel to the development of your new affiliate?
1: Uh, well, we saw it as uh, a good marketing. It's a good marketing, uh, uh, tool for the gym. It's, uh, and it's a good community tool. Uh, so at the point where I am right now, it's, it's an easy organization, uh, to, 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 endeavor. It's not hard for me. I don't have to do a lot because all of all, all my things have been, uh, have been done for a well, while. This is year six with the the D down, so it's it, it's right. it's a cake pretty much a cakewalk for me when you're organizing one of these.
0: Is the maturity of the CrossFit community in New Brunswick one of the reasons that that comes together fairly easily for you? I mean, certainly CrossFit has been in New Brunswick for a a long time compared to uh, at least the the number of gyms was significantly higher earlier in New Brunswick than it was in Nova Scotia, for example. Yeah, Moncton just celebrated. So you've you've had a long time to develop.
1: Yeah, Moncton just celebrated their 10th year, I think. So, yeah, it's been here for a while.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, does that make it a little bit easier because you, you know, you know, the community is really solid and, you know, you're, you're bringing in, you know, a a cross section of people that have a significant amount of experience, but you're also bringing in a lot of people that are um, fairly new to the sport and trying it out for the, or trying out a competition anyway, for the first time.
1: I think that what makes it easy for to sell the D-Town is the fact that it's a four person competition. And mm-hmm. you're not as intimidated as if you were on your own uh, when you're going to a, an individual competition. So you have the other three people yep. to uplift you, to help you out. Uh, so that's an easier sell. Uh, there's, there's levels too. Like we have the scale division, the masters and the, the RX division. So you have your, your choice of where you fit in there. So it, that makes it an easier sell. But that's the biggest concern for me every year is always making sure to sell out or close to selling out. I'm not sold out right now. I still have two spots remaining, but we're at the biggest number of registrations we've ever had for the competition. So,
0: right. Was uh, was making it a team competition that that uh, component of accessibility of a team competition as opposed to individual a conscious choice in when you established the event in yeah, the first the team place
1: was always our our uh, our choice because it 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 makes it easier to to organize equipment wise uh, you can get more people uh, more uh, more revenue in when you have a team competition compared to an individual so let's say i'm running an individual competition i uh, i have i don't know 150 member 150 competitors well i still have to fit the same amount of heat that i would do for 332 or 328 that i have right now so so right. i can fit a lot more people in in the same amount of time. We always wanted to do just a one-day competition because uh, it's a lot easier to, to organize. It's, uh, uh, we feel that people don't, I, I, well, I personally feel people don't get tired after a two, when it's a two-day competition. After the first day, you're pretty much toasted on the second day and you don't get the same output from your, your athletes and your volunteers. Your volunteers are, are tired after one day, so
0: i 'm sure that 's a factor for it as well has has that been uh, has that been challenging how is your uh, how 's the process of organizing um, both i mean you 've got volunteers in sort of two arenas you 've got the 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 judges um, who are up there and many of them are themselves yeah. competing um, plus you 've got the volunteers that are helping to you know move equipment around bring score sheets in et cetera i mean you 've got quite a large team to organize the logistics of um, ensuring that everything moves smoothly ha- has uh, has got to be a real challenge. Uh,
1: for I, I it's, yeah, it's multifaceted. So on the judges, I I last year I tried to not have compete uh, competitors judge, but that's too much of a uh, too too difficult to organize. So I I try to have a uh, dozen 10, 10 to twelve full time judges. That, that can give a break to the competitive competitor judges and the rotation isn't that bad I always try to give them two to three heats of judging and then they get six off so they it's I'm not taxing them the whole day I, at least I hope I'm not and for the, the the volunteers it's the same the volunteers on that side I always have mostly it's our members. And some outside people that uh, offer up to help, but uh, mostly our members that are are just starting out and they it it gives it gets them to dip their toes and seeing what a competition is. And usually they they volunteer one year and the next year they're competing, so
0: right, yeah, and they're they're connected to the community, um, that much more. How do you manage the the equipment needs for an event like this? I mean, you say that it's it's a little bit easier to, to manage equipment for a team competition, but you still got to have much more equipment on the floor than you would have readily at your disposal at YQM. Uh, well,
1: uh, we're pretty much... Last year, we had a, a equipment sponsor, Hatlex. They were awesome, but mm-hmm. we were going to use them again this year. But since we're out on the East, East Coast... Uh, they don't come out here for free, and it was going to cost us right. uh, over $3,000 just to just to get him here, and we'd rather mm-hmm. spend that money buying equipment than renting equipment. So uh, what I, I need when I'm doing a competition like ours, we need seven setups because I have seven lanes, and usually I run my – we have that amount. We have those bars at the gym, so we have at least – uh, well we have more than 14 bars but we have those bars at the gym the plates we have uh, I think we have everything that we need so we have four 45s to each lane we have 225 215s two, two uh, 410 so we, we're pretty much set up now that we can host it our, on our own. It was a lot better last, it looked a lot looked a lot better last year with all that shiny equipment. But uh, we can manage on mm. our own if we want to, and we can always uh, count on uh, either CrossFit Dieppe, uh, Maritime CrossFit, or CrossFit Moncton to give us a hand if we if we need some equipment. But we usually don't need a lot nowadays. The first years we uh, we did borrow some uh, a lot more than, than uh, nowadays, but uh, and we always try to reciprocate uh, when they're doing their own competitions
0: right yeah well that actually leads me to another uh, another question that I wanted to ask I mean what is what's that competitive environment like uh, between not not so much just between the gyms but between competition organizers because I mean there's several competitions that happen over the course of of a calendar year uh, in New Brunswick. I'm sure each of them have different uh, gyms that are largely responsible for bringing those events uh, to bear. Um, you know how how much how much competition is there among the events to make sure that um, you know you're able to you, you know you're on the verge of selling out your event. There's been other events uh, in New Brunswick as well. Um, do you do you bump into uh, each other an awful lot in in asking the community to lay down cash to go to a competition? Uh,
1: I don't really uh, I don't really concern myself with that. Uh, the first years I would like I I tried to time my things. To to be the first out with uh, the the registrations or try to have more more value to uh, to the competitors uh, so they they'd be interested in mine more than others but I I'd rather they if they can attend all the competitions but it's uh, I don't really concern myself with that I, I hope that everybody is successful and uh, everybody can have a good competition and uh, people have fun at theirs as well as mine so. Uh, right now, there's St. John that does a couple. Moncton has their hopper. Uh, Dieppe didn't have theirs this year, but uh, I tried jumping in last minute to do it, but it's too much of a, again, if you want to have 300 competitors, you have to have a big room, and I I can't host it at my gym and hosting it at a uh, other venue while you're falling into having to pay a five $6,000 rent. Yeah, so that's an expensive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What are um, what are some of the timing considerations? I mean, um, you know, it seems like you're – organizationally anyway, you're announcing a lot of details um, relating to the competition each year just as the Open is coming to a close. Is that is that itself a conscious decision to get people while they're already, you know, kind of hopped up and thinking about yeah, it?
1: Yeah, I tried to announce it early uh, and after the Open is – and during the open you won't get anybody's attention so you don't want to do anything during the open and yeah right after the open I try to announce it and uh, get get first out the gate and try to get get people registered at my competition right away if they have to take vacation they can take vacation like there's enough time that uh, they have five four five six months to to get ready for it and then once I get right. to about I used to have all the the workouts, uh, released at, at the same time. But now I try to almost sell out before announcing them. Like I don't, my workouts Well, we'll probably talk about it later, but my workouts are usually, they, they, I don't care. Not that I don't care. I don't, I don't need to have all the teams complete the workouts. It's not a necessity. So that's why I don't, I don't I never program amraps. I want something that can be finished or close to being finished. AMRAPs are never ending and I don't I don't feel the the juice is flowing as much. I guess you're just dying for seven, ten, twenty minute fifteen minutes. So I'd rather uh, you, you get the work done and be complete.
0: Yeah, I mean it seems like your programming is very geared to um, the the time slots that you have programmed. I mean, it, it seems like it's it's partly scheduling driven, and uh, to ensure that you have the ability to get the number of lanes through and the amount of time that you have blocked off for workout one, workout two, workout three, and and still have enough time left over for semis and for finals. Um, you know, is it how much of of the programming um, do you wind up modifying or adjusting to suit? the time frames or, or does it just wind up working out naturally fairly well within the time frames that you have for each lane because you know you commonly in in certainly in a in regular programming going through a, a particular uh, metcon and anywhere from 8 to 12 minutes is not terribly uncommon yeah anyway.
1: i i i've been lucky but i also i also test out the workouts uh with my better competitors at the gym to see to see if they can finish it and if I have to tweak it. Like this year, uh, the ones that have been released, I, well, that's the only ones that have, have been determined, but the ones, uh, that were released, I tested them out. Uh, I had to tweak it a couple of times just to make sure that it, it flowed be- better and that, uh, it, uh, it wasn't too, too taxing, but uh, it could be due. It could be completed. So, uh, I have my schedule that's like my time domains are pretty much the same. It's either 10 to 12 minutes or nine to 12 minutes. So one one's going to be about nine minute cap. The other one is going to be about 12 minute cap. And that allows me to get all my uh, all my heats completed and then ready for the semis around two to two 30 in the
0: afternoon. So, yeah. Right. Now, last year you, you had to make some, um, last minute adjustments to accommodate weather, uh, which is, is a unique challenge, uh, to face. Um, you know, certainly most of the events are, are indoors, but, um, you know, it's, it is kind of cool to be able to throw people outside. Um, you know, what, what were some of the things that you were thinking about ahead of time and, and, you know, how, how much of that adjustment, um, was possible at the last minute? I mean, I know you had, uh, I know you had built some walls <laughs> for us to climb over. Unfortunately, we didn't get no, to do that.
1: <laughs> we've been playing around with them at the gym, but no. Uh, yeah, the semis were always planned to be outside. We went back and forth when it started raining. I was like, ah, oh, I wanted to right. absolutely do it outside. Then we came up with a plan. Okay, let's do it inside. We tested it out. It would have worked, but I then I talked to a few of the competitors. Are you okay with going outside? And they said, Yeah, let's go. wanted to go outside so we went out in the rain and we we winged it or we we had the same workout but we we uh yeah the some of the stuff like the dumbbell snatches were supposed to be done outside next year next to your uh, sled but Mm. we couldn't do that we would have had people just dropping stuff so yeah there's a little bit of juggling act when we're we're doing these we hope that it works and uh, i i love going outside because it's uh uh, the atmosphere is different, and it's a it's a bit crammed up in the gym when the, there's a two hundred people watching and two hundred competitors or three hundred competitors.
0: Well, it's it's nice to have that that um, that subtle energy change in having people transitioning from outside to inside and back and forth too, which which I thought was kind of a a cool thing to have on the radar for last year. And yeah, I mean you know the weather didn't entirely cooperate. No, that but, was the first year. You know, it was ago. it was still really fun. Yeah. Well yeah and I mean you know you you roll the dice uh, how often can it can the weather really yeah. cause a problem um you know I I've run a, a 10 or a, a for the 10 last year was my 10th year doing a 5k uh, that I organized here in Bedford and out of the 10 years I think we only had rain three times so yeah, it's the roll of the know, dice it, the odds the odds are in your favor generally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sucks yeah, it when does, it happens but, hey, people remember it and it it makes
1: for uh, great photos
0: Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) What, what has been the, the relationship that you've had with sponsors for an event like this? I mean, every event has, um, you know, some degree of, of business sponsorship. Some of them specifically, particularly in the CrossFit, uh, industry are very, um, specific to athletes, um, and, you know, equipment suppliers and so forth or, or clothing suppliers. But do you, do you wind up getting a lot of uh, interest in sponsorship from um, other businesses that are just you know really keenly interested in the athletes and and the folks that are coming into town? Uh, what what kind of what kind of sponsors do you pursue, or do they just wind up coming to you now with a successful event like this? No,
1: it's it's still a struggle for sponsorship, uh, to be honest, because we're out in Moncton. I don't know if it's better in Halifax, but in Moncton, it's a struggle because most of the crossfit affiliated or crossfit type uh, sponsorships or companies are out in montreal or toronto and they, mm, yeah and they the don't markets. want it it's too much of an expense to to come out on the east coast for a one off competition so we right. we end up either not getting them to come or uh, they they send us the, or they they send us a coupon or something and i'd rather not have something like that. I've been lucky in the in the past uh, past five or six years since we opened. We've been working with the Filthy Fifty uh, for our, our apparel. They give us a break, a small break mm-hmm. on our uh, on our apparel for the, the competition, and they make great stuff. Like uh, people don't. I've never heard anybody. Well, not that I know of, complain about the the apparel that we give out at the competition. And uh, so we love working with them. Uh, Zevia, I was lucky two years ago. I just emailed them ge- on their general page, and uh, they they asked me how m- how many cans of Zevia I wanted. Then they sent it to me. And last year I asked for more. They sent more. And this year they're going to send as m- as much as last year. So it's just uh, I'm trying to continue that on. And Popeye's uh, the supplement store here, in Moncton, or one of the supplement stores. Uh, he started out. Sponsoring us from this first year, and they've kept on uh, helping us out uh, every year. So uh, a lot of them, because it's a team competition, a lot of sponsors, it's it's hard for them because we have to give out prizes to four times three, uh, three winners. So that's 12 times three divisions, so that's 36 people. Compared that if you have three podiums of one of singles, well, that's only nine people. They can give out nine tubs of protein. So that's...
0: Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the fact that it, it does make the sponsorship ask uh, more significant, uh, particularly if they're providing anything in the way of prizes. Yeah,
1: so we are, are, are uh, thinking, I guess, uh, at YQM or me, Matt, and now Dan, uh, we'd rather... Give, have, be known to give out, like, we give over $6,000 in cash or close to $7,000 in cash. So that's from the registrations. We give, we give it all out back. So we'd rather give out cash. People have money in their hand and they, they, they have it and it's not just a tub of protein and something that they won't eat. So we'd, we'd rather give that to, as a, as a prize.
0: Yep. What are your uh, what are your long term plans for D Town? Do you have is it is it just to continue to to build it up as a successful event and and make it as profitable as it can within the confines of hosting it at YQM? If
1: right now, it's the most economical way to, to to make some money. You're not making millions of dollars. A lot of people speculate, oh well, they're, mm. they're this much amount of money when they're registrations, but you got to factor in like uh, we're giving away seven thousand dollars. We're
0: yeah, there's a we lot of cash that goes out the door too.
1: At least seven thousand dollars in t-shirts because we give out t-shirts to the competitors and to the judges and volunteers. So take that out of the equation. Then whatever equipment we we're gonna buy, we're gonna buy some this year. It's all depending on what I decide to do for the the finals and the semifinals. Uh, that's undecided yet. But uh, yeah, so take that out, and then uh, then you're left with a, a small profit, uh, which is. We have a goal what we want to hit as far as a profit every year. So I'd like to go out and have it at a bigger venue because at where I'm at right now at 84 teams, that's about the max I could host at the YQM. Uh, I see ourselves doing this for maybe a couple years at this rate. And if we decide and if by any chance there's interest from bigger sponsors and then we could move it up and go to uh, a bigger venue. There's always possibilities like uh, uh, with Filthy Fifty. He, he the guy that or, that owns it, organizes his own competition in Montreal, and we could always partner up and try something on the bigger end because they're on a uh, they they have a big competition as well. So uh, there might be a circuit or something that could could come about. So. There's a couple i've seen a couple popping up there in in Halifax uh, don't know much about them, but they've they're being organized they seem to be they sound big, but I haven't heard anything about them yet so
0: there was one that was organized. At least it was initially launched for uh, the middle of the summer, and unfortunately, the the registration uh, just didn't wind up getting to the point that they wanted prior to their cutoff, and so they wound up uh, uh, canceling and regrouping for next year. Um, you know, it, it'd be nice because you know there's not there's actually not all that many competitions here. There's a few. Um, so I, I, I was certainly looking forward to that one. It was another one that was um, not, not a team competition. It was a partner's competition. So it, it again has that element of, uh you know, shared yeah. risk, shared responsibility, a little bit, a little bit accessible. So, um you know, on that front, yeah, I was kind I'd of love, I'd love to
1: personally to um, be able sorry. to compete in my own competition, <laughs> but <laughs> since I'm organizing <laughs> and MCing, I can't do that. And I know all the workouts.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. I know you so I mean. I, yeah, in ten years of of running my five k, I never once actually got to run it myself. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's you know it's it's one of those it's one of those things. I mean, you, you know, you you take the enjoyment out of out of uh, out of it in any way you can when you're organizing. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure you've gotten plenty of thanks from the community and lots of lots of very happy competitors. Um, particularly those that are new to the community. I remember the, the first year that I came to D town was three years ago and, uh, or well, the, the two, two editions of it ago. And that year I had only just been in CrossFit for a little while. So, um, I had, I had done the judging course. I had judged during the open. I was not an L one yet. Um, and so I just came up to judge and be part of yeah, the community. Remember that. Um, and, uh, and then, and then last year I came up as a competitor and a judge, um, and this year doing the same thing. So it, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of make progress with over time, particularly as you get to know the community and, and you start to form friendships with athletes that you like to hang out with both at the gym and outside of the gym. Uh, and you know, when you're in your forties and you get to go on a road trip with a bunch of athletes, it's a pretty unique feeling. Yeah. And the- because it's not something that you've experienced for age, a while. We uh,
1: we we uh, judge or uh, we coach. That's about what we do when we. I, I'm planning. Uh, I'm planning on. I'm trying to maybe qualify for the team competition at the Waterpalooza. We have a few guys there, that, just for fun. They're going the not the RX division, but the scale division, just because they don't have masters. But uh, any masters competition I can see out there, I I try. I'm trying to. Get out there and have have a have a good time for a weekend there. So, yeah.
0: So, are there any are there any surprises with uh, D Town uh, that you can uh, hint uh, at no, at the I moment? Can't hint at anything?
1: <laughs> to uh, <laughs> as far as uh, surprises, <laughs> uh, the only people that know when we do these uh, these uh, workouts is myself, Dan, yeah. and maybe another person, but that's about it. They nobody ever knows or sees or like we even the judges don't see the well i well you were a judge even the judges don't see the workouts we get we hand them out the card and here this uh this is what's going to happen and they they see the explanation at the right. same time that the all the athletes see them so that that's one one thing i love about the that i get the joy from seeing the people's faces and but we always have to top, our, top ourselves, so uh, I have to figure out something—either a piece of equipment or a movement or something—to uh, to top or do something different from the past five years. So that's uh, that's my biggest challenge right now.
0: Right. Uh, do you plan to to uh, release uh, little hint photos like Castro <laughs> does, or just no? Not it's not your my thing? thing, and I'm not
1: robotic like he is when he's talking. <laughs> yeah
0: well i you know i'm i'm looking forward to coming up uh to moncton for the competition i think it's going to be a, a great time as usual um it's always exceptionally well organized um you know whether you're uh competing on the floor or whether you're a judge or a volunteer you always uh know where you need to be at the time you need to be there um and i think that's the mark of great organization um and so you know i think the the experience that you've had in Organizing these events, particularly you know now coming into the sixth year, is is really only serving to benefit the event further. Um, and so, you know, I, I wish you all the best, of luck with the competition going forward. Um, and you know, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about exactly how that that whole process comes together because it it really is a very unique challenge um, to organize an event with this many people participating. It's not like a 5K where everyone shows up and starts together and finishes at whatever time that they uh they wind up taking to complete the course this is a very regimented exercise with time blocks for people to compete in and you move those people off the floor and you bring new people in so um it's a very unique challenge um that that's specific to the way that crossfit works particularly i have my uh, daughter uh,
1: that's on me all the time so she's the timekeeper i've had her for the last two or three years and she uh, she keeps she holds my feet to the fire so i i I make sure I'm on, well, she keeps me on time and she says, well, we're two minutes late, three minutes late. And like, she, she's on me all the time and say, you got to announce and let's go. And so I have her following me around, which is a big help. Uh, and when, we, when we, we don't stop, if we're ahead of time, we just keep going because we know we're going to get behind time somewhere. So if we're two, three minutes ahead, we keep on right, going yeah. and uh, usually around noonish, we fall behind about, Fifteen minutes, and then we get get it back when we get to the semifinals. Yeah, that's right.
0: Get back on track. Yeah. All right, Mark. Thank you. I I really appreciate you coming on the on the podcast. Hopefully, uh, lots of people that are interested in CrossFit competitions, um, whether as a competitor or uh, you know, eventually as as potentially an organizer of their own competition, whether it's an inbox competition or something grander, will get some value out of uh, hearing the Absolutely, story. Absolutely, and to they tell can today.
1: always uh, get in touch with me if you, they they need any help or do you want a few points of advice i'm always uh, open to, to helping out all right
0: that sounds great thank you have a great right. thanks a lot the clock has run out i hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the box jumper podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you get upcoming episodes automatically as i'm joined by more guests to talk about crossfit fitness and health if you like this episode do me a solid and write me a five-star review on itunes I hope to share some reviews and comments in future episodes. And of course, you can email me feedback or ideas at info at boxjumper.ca or visit boxjumper.ca for more fitness-related stuff outside the podcast as well. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the handle at boxjumper40. If you want to connect with Mark at YQM, look him up on social media with the handle at CrossFitYQM or the competition handle at DTown Throwdown. Thanks for listening. Lots more on the way. Until then, stay healthy, wad happy. And what often?